I am unashamed. What about you? So now Shame. people are people are calling you for uh, like. Well, uh, <laughs> my wife called me, and she was like, "Look." So you're you you're now like a speed dial person for finding stuff. I mean, that's where that's where this is going now. Well, Missy Chase calls Robertson, me. treasure hunter. She's like one of my friends. Mom lost her wedding ring, and so I told her that you know you could probably find that. I said, babe, you needed to temper expectations. <laughs> I mean, did you lose it in a field or something? Or well, you know, here's what... Because I'm thinking, they cut, is this like in the house? Or are you now metal detecting people's houses even? Where, Here, where yeah. is <laughs> here's what's crazy is <laughs> she lost it within the last two weeks, and she doesn't remember. Oh, boy. But when I met her... It sounds like me and my cell phone. Lovely woman. I mean, just loves the Lord and just a busy bee, and she got rose bushes everywhere in her own garden and she has a kayak they have a little uh break behind their house beautiful catches fish and she's like i kayak i was like well if you lost it in that break that that ring is gone oh yeah so i you know i gave it a whirl i mean i put over four hours (laughs) Did you find anything else of interest? I mean, oh yeah, I found car keys. Uh, I found a leftover nut. change. This is this story doesn't have a happy ending. <laughs> I uh, I found enough clad coins for probably a cheeseburger. <laughs> and That's where you get paid now. I found some copper pipe and some brass paraphernalia. You know they were looking like, where's the ring? I was like. Just didn't happen. <laughs> it's hard to find gold. Well, I, I lost. Uh, speaking of finders, keepers, losers, weepers, I lost a what we call a drag. A guy sent it to me from Texas, and a, the drag is what you pull ropes up on the bottom of the river. Yeah, you have a rope tied to this drag, and you have a hook net down there with a rope going out in front of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, with a float on it. Well, sometime in float, boat would hit them or whatever, and then the rope would go down on the bottom of the river. So you're, you're sitting there, you got a big weight holding the net, and then a rope going to the float. Well, the float disappears, whatever, so you go out there and you try to find it with that drag. Right. The drag's got three claws coming off of it. Which it's like this, about this long. About an inch and a half That's around. About a foot long. Solid cold roll steel, <laughs> and they had to be built just right. Well, I was trying to get a net off the bottom. I got a hold of the rope, and I'd gun in the motor trying to pull a hook net loose. The net was hung on the bottom of the river, wow. twenty feet of water current. So I broke my rope when I was trying to get that other rope. I, it was hooked to the drag. Picked up the rope. And I broke my rope. The rope gone. <laughs> so now the drag is so down. So I look down, <laughs> I look down, twenty feet of water, my drag's on the bottom of the river, hooked onto another net. And I said, Sometimes you just gotta kiss them goodbye. <laughs> so I said, forget that. I had somebody build me another one. It was not <laughs> as up to snuff as this one was, but it would do. A decade goes by. Ten years later. Oh, I thought this was like this week. This is no, you're going back a decade. I'm going back a, a decade. <laughs> yeah. So I, I lose this. my drag. The drag is gone. Ten years ago. I thought goes this was by. wild Jesus doing his no. thing. I had a Bible study with the dude. He's sitting there and I asked him what he did for a living. You know, what do you do when you he said, I'm a I'm a scuba diver. I oh, said boy. I said, You're a what? He said, A scuba diver. I said, I said, what you got to do the next two or three days? He said, well, you know, I said, get that scuba diving equipment. I have something I want you to pick up off the bottom of the river. I said, the current's down. The river's at pool stage, so it's pretty not swift. I said, I lost a drag. I told him about what I did. I lost it 10 years ago. I said, but it's still there. I said, and you're the only man that can get it. I said, you you never it. forgot it. You I never said forgot you let it. it go, but you never really let yeah. it go. And he, and he said, "He said, do you remember where it is? I said, I remember where it is. 
exactly. <laughs> and he said, so you know that river so well, you know where that drag is. I said, I can put you right on top of it. You'll be 20 feet above it you know, on the water. So we go out there, and they took a couple of days. He comes, he's got his equipment. We pull up there. I'm easing up the river. I'm looking on the bank over there. You know, I'm looking, easing along on the bank. And I said, right, and I said, right here. I stopped. I said, right, right there. I threw me a weight out to hold the boat. And I said, go down right there. You'll find a rope. And when you find the rope, just start down that rope. At some point, you're going to run up on that drag I'm talking about. I told him what it looked like. I had one in the boat kind of like it. I said, we won't, won't take you five minutes. He said. Which means an hour. Yeah. He <laughs> said, because we grew up with five yeah, minutes. He said, you know it's there. I said, it's there. So look, he jumps out of the boat like they do, you know, fall backwards out of the boat. I see bubbles and he gone. So I'm sitting there. I would say. All five minutes. All quiet. Five minutes. I'm just, I'm just sitting there. I'm seeing them bubbles roll up from down there somewhere. About five minutes goes by. I saw a hand coming up. He had a drag in his hand. He came he, up. So he came up for the dramatic he came the hand up, up the, first. With a drag in his hand. And it was a, the rope had about six foot of rope on it where my rope had broken 10 years earlier. Success. He said, man, you got a good memory. He said, that's exactly what happened. I went down, found a rope, went down the rope, and you said it'd be there. It was there. I wonder how you could see down there. Yeah, you know, I, that, it's that, murky. Oh, it's murky. Couldn't see. He just strictly feel. But I put him right on top. He said it was exactly right underneath this boat. He said, how did you remember that that long I'm I just said, glad he lived. Can you imagine? Look, if something happens, he gets tangled up, and it's <laughs> like I gave my life <laughs> for, for a drag, drag for nets. <laughs> that yeah. that was ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, I told him to be careful. I said, "Don't be careful." Well, I said, saying, "There's a big treetop so, down in there somewhere." I said, "Because <laughs> you know that thing was hung on that treetop." What about one of them 175 pound alligator guards? That yeah. might have been one of them down there too. Yeah, you so. also told me to be careful a few times <laughs> in my life when I was a kid, and I realized that meant your life. I, I hope it works is out. Is in danger, and this is really not worth it. <laughs> you know yeah. that when he was describing that though, you know, it took, my mind took me back to the scene in Jaws, the original Jaws when they were getting ready to send Hooper down in to you know try to see if he could kill that shark. That's that you would you describe as a river version of that, where you're just sending the man out. The story I just told you. You hope he comes back, you know. The story I just told you, that was 30 years ago. (laughs) That's how long it's been. You say, is your drag still in your boat? That drag still in that boat. (laughs) Yesterday, 40 years. Yesterday, we used it. I got it. And I said, Dan, watch this. I said, I'm going to throw this drag out. I said, I'm going to hook a rope out there. And he said, what? I said, I'm going to hook a rope. I want you to back out in the river, and I'm going to drag this weight out further out in the river. I said, I'm too close to the bank. That's reading this net ain't catching. So I threw my drag out, and I started coming up with it, and I got the rope and the weight. And when he backed out in the river, and I dropped that old big weight, that's holding the net on the back end of it, you know. So I told Dan that story, you know. He said, you got to be kidding. I said, no. I said, this old drag was gone for a decade. I said, I rounded it back up, scuba diver. The story of the drag. I have to write that. Yep. So that sounds a lot better. My story, I was going to tell you, I lost my cell phone for like an hour, but it's just really not that interesting because we no. found it on Find a Phone and I don't know. I've never found a person that didn't lose his cell phone on a regular basis. Oh, it was. Well, Phil, that's because you well, always. Then, then you it. have to start the retracing of your steps. Well, I went here. Did I lay it down there? But the kids all start looking for it with the find a phone, and they're like, it's here. We always find them, get somebody to call. Yeah. Or we go in another room, make somebody makes a phone call to that number. You know, brr, brr, and you're looking around. <laughs> One we found in the refrigerator. <laughs> I said, Miss Kay, how could your cell phone end up in the ice box? Was what we call them old school ice box. I remember ice box. Yeah. And she said, Well, 
I'm evidently out there winter. She said it was in between the cabbage and some soft drinks <laughs> in the in the in the refrigerator. She had walked in there to get something, and set her phone down. Yeah, well, she got a head of lettuce and came out of there, but the, left the phone. You know, we trying to track it, but you're not thinking the, the refrigerator. The, the ringer is ringing inside the refrigerator. Yeah, I, I said, y'all, y'all. It, it, hey, she said, I, I left. Don't know what I happened. left here yesterday. My that's life. one of hundreds of times it's, they've been lost. My last words yesterday when I left here, I was like, well, if I don't find my key, I'll be back. Because I looked everywhere in here. I walked to my truck, and I'm looking. I looked down. It's in my hand. It was and so it begins. Oh, search. I've hunted Everything. for my sunglasses for an hour, and then finally figured out they're on my head. Yeah. Yeah. I said, oh, my goodness. It's pretty embarrassing. So, you know, I've found probably half a dozen cell phones metal detecting that have been smashed. Is that right? Oh, really? Yeah. And I thought, should I report this? <laughs> or, I mean, you know whatever happened. Yeah. Because they were, now I guess theoretically, they could have been, they, you know, something happened and they were, but, but the, they looked like someone smashed, smashed them and threw it out. So somebody's trying to get rid of some evidence. That's the the fun part about finding something, Jace, is I forget you to get this all the time, is then you get to make up your own story. I was up in Arkansas one time, and I was in one of these beautiful lookout points. It's up in the mountains, really pretty. And I looked down on the ground, and this, I'm just, you know, we're just observing the beauty. And I see glass and colored sand. And me being a, a guy who's done a lot of weddings, I realized what it was. It was somebody did a sand ceremony there. You know, and either dropped it because they pour the two sands in a bottle and it's kind of like symbolizing your life together, whatever. Or, which, and this is a story I went to in my mind, somebody split up or whatever and they went back to the spot where it all happened and just smashed that thing right there on the spot of, you know, this lookout point. So it was either it was either something that was an accident or it was something that was a Something bad went down. You was ridding yourself of the last vestiges. That's of what one, I imagine. I imagine you some, said you would have some woman have that just got scorned and said, "I'm going to go back and smash it into a th-. and it was just glass and sand all over the place. So trying anyway. to wipe the slate clean. That's right, making up a story. It's hard to run from your past. <laughs> so yesterday, yep. Jace, I made an observation when I was leaving out, and then it happened again coming down here. So we're mom and dad. The last 15 miles to get out of here is the middle of nowhere. I mean, you got a few places, few people dotted around, but it's mostly just woods that are used for, you know, pulp wood and all that. So we grew up, Jason and I grew up, we learned how to drive on all these roads out here. So, you know, I know I'm like the back of my hand, you're talking about the river, but I made an observation because I would, when I'm driving to town or coming out here, I would rather get behind a young redneck than an old redneck because a young redneck runs wide open. Now they'll tear some stuff up and all that, but they're they're getting where they got to go. But the old rednecks, which I guess, Dad, you're in this company now. They just drive as slow as they want. They don't care who's behind you. They don't care how long it takes. They're just gonna putter because both got the guy I got behind yesterday and another guy this morning going about thirty on these roads out there, which is you know near the speed limit. Thirty five is right. So you drive limit. it, don't you? When you drive in, you're just right there humming along. Some some deputy pulled me over and said. Mr. Field, this thing is 35 miles an hour. I said, Jace was with me. I'd say, he's, Phil, you were going way too far. We were late to the airport. But well, I think a, you've told this story a few times. And the guy, you know, he, let, he just didn't want to be that guy. Right. To, but I'm saying, I, I, well, my point is, Jace, so I'm, I'm 56 years old. I'm not old enough yet because I'm still going as fast as I can to get out here and to get back oh, to town. I, I'm not. Yeah. So I'm, you've already crossed over to sale. Really? I mean, I just so you're, just enjoy you're not, the, I just enjoy oh, the yeah. So you're the so I don't know what happened to me. I'm driving about 30, I'm still about a young 35, redneck. 35, 40. Yeah, I can't do it. It drives me crazy. Now in the old days I would pass these guys, but now I don't do that because that's stupid. It's just how you get killed out here. So I won't yeah. pass them, but I'm just like, oh man, this guy, you know. Well, I'm there's different one. there's different fruits of the spirit. So patience <laughs> may be yours. I, I am an I, I am an impatient man. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I've run up on a lot of vehicles through the years from here to town in the ditch. Yeah. 
in the ditch. Yeah, that that's young redneck. Or against you know ram pine trees. Yeah, that's young redneck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm somewhere in between. Drunk most again. Most of the time, yeah, or, or that. Well, yeah. most time it's early in the morning, and you're you're seeing the results of last night's Something the night festivities. <laughs> yeah. We so, come down there and meet up, and during duck season, probably five in the morning. That's a couple hours before daylight. Yeah. Well, you would think there wouldn't be any traffic two oh, hours before night. daylight. Oh, no. it's, I've seen the most disturbing images in my life between three and five <laughs> coming to duck hunt. That's, That's right. right. Well, sometimes it's naked people running yeah. down the yeah, road. We've got a myth. You wonder, we've got a what myth are they issue. doing running and what are they doing naked? I mean, but just, well, the old days it was just drinking. Now it's meth. That's just uh, it's terrible. Let's take a break. So I've, I've told you this before, but I'm still shocked every time I read it, that in 2020, 8 million guns were sold in the U.S. 8 million. That's a lot of guns for one year. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. Of course, you know, there are a lot of reasons why you know, people are in a pandemic. There's, you know, there are a lot of rioting situations going on. So with all that happening... It's obviously created now a lot of guns, which so ammo is an issue. And you, you got to you want to be proficient with all these weapons. I mean, we we train ourselves and have since we were kids. Dad, you trained us how to be safe with firearms and how to use them. And, uh, you know, so that we would be safe with each other. And so one of our sponsors is a company called iTarget Pro. And basically, these guys give you a way to be able to dry fire train. So they have kind of a laser bullet goes into your pistol and you're able to do it on a target through your cell phone so you don't have to actually use up ammo which is really good because it's hard to find anyway so uh they can they can, all the major calibers they have 223 in your ar all these things check them out you get to save 10 percent, and you get free shipping if you use the offer code fill when you check out so that's i target pro the letter i itargetpro.com use the offer code fill Save you some money and learn how to be more proficient with your weapon. But you know, Jazz, you know what the Almighty did to teach me about patience? Because I'm an impatient. I always have been. Fight it. He he gave me a woman that I love dearly, but she can't leave. She's got a leaving problem. She can't leave the house. She can't leave the church. She can't leave whatever where people would go eat. She can't leave. Like it's time to go, you know, you, you know, it's time to go. Let's go. And she can't leave. And so I had to just wait on her, you know, in the old days I'd be bow up and leave her or whatever, you know, then it'd be a whole fight ensues, but I don't, I don't do that anymore. I made sure early with your mother. <laughs> well, I guess I did. When it's time to go, <laughs> when I get up and she's like, we're going, we're leaving. I said, well, we're leaving. The way the trains leaving the station. The way mom has solved y'all's issue with that is that she always lines up her own ride. She that's depended well, on that, you. Well, that's, that's where you, you got different options. I mean, you, you'd like to carpool, especially when you're married, but I just thought it's not worth it. <laughs> so I very seldom do I ride anywhere with anybody, you know, yeah. my wife included. Me just, too. Now I don't either, but with Lisa, I mean, we, we go to the, we do an event. She can't leave. Like the, we get down to the last volunteers and I try to stay till the last one, get a picture with everybody. Cause these people worked hard to put it on. But then once that happens, I'm ready to go. Like just standing around chit chatting. Al's ready to go back to the hotel. Let's get out of here. She can't leave. She'll be standing in a circle of people. The last ones will be about six or eight of them that put the vent on. I'm long gone by that time. Well, right. And so I'm just like, what am I? So I'm, but it's taught me patience because I'm not going to be ugly to her. But if it still bothers you, maybe it's not. Well, it bothers me, but I I deal with it. I'm just saying. There's a long list I've noticed from all of our families. There's a long list of, uh, uh, what do you call them? Get togethers, parties. There's, a, There's something going on all the time. You're right. Almost every other well, day. Well, we had Cy this last week, and then I mean, I've Willie's seen, got I've a birthday. I've seen more birthday. celebrations in Missy's the last I have one. Missy's got a birthday. Y'all, you're y'all invited. <laughs> Let me tell you. The hundreds one, of celebrations. <laughs> the one thing, because by the time this airs, I think it'll be after yeah, my birthday, be after. so I'm good sharing that. I mean, it's a semi-surprise or whatever. But uh, the one thing you get at my party, which I'm 100% producing, just scary. 
I can't believe Missy allowed you to. She doesn't I, know enough. I've got that. enough of the finest meats that I could assemble. <laughs> I picked them up yesterday. Oh, so one thing, because I figured, look, if you have good food, that's right. It you you've built a foundation for success. It helps ease. Forget the pain. what if you go somewhere and it's crappy food. Well, by the way, if you're going to Willie's the night before, uh, I picked up two whole tenderloins yesterday at Sam's that Stone mm-hmm. is cooking for that event. So, uh, well, the one good thing about all these celebrations when is that that's today. That's Wednesday. Wednesday. You know what's crazy so, to me. So, what are they celebrating? Uh, Willie's 49th birthday. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but Phil, I mean, you get a family <laughs> as large as ours, and you're celebrating every birthday that comes along. I mean, I'm just saying it's a little much. <laughs> well, most people in the world celebrate their birthdays every year, but you just don't no. even acknowledge yours, so that's the difference. I just don't When's see... When's the last time you had a well, party for Jumping up and down <laughs> and a lot of fun off of you being one year older than you were, especially when you get to be about 75. Valid it, point. It, but you were the same at 55. I'll tell you what, if you, come, if you come to Missy's birthday party, which could be yours as well, since... Everybody's it's the same. day after or whatever. In fact, Dad's the only one who doesn't have a party uh, plan. We won't look if you want to come <laughs> eat your steak. And we won't tell you happy birthday. We'll just, we'll just, just act like it's eat not. Eat steak and leave. So one of the things we didn't highlight when we talked about this at the very first of the chapter in Acts eighteen, but I wanted to mention it and get y'all's take on it. So he was Paul was drawn to Priscilla and Aquila originally because Aquila. Or well, you say a killer. Yeah, it's the back then they didn't pronounce the use like they do, but I, oh. whatever. Right. Well, I was you, just, you say I was a, curious. You say a quill, I say a killer. Okay. So they were te- they were <clears throat> tent makers, and so was Paul. So what drew them together initially? I mean, they may have already been members of the church. I don't know. You know, we, it doesn't tell us, but it says they were making tents together. And so I, I thought that was interesting that Paul, in for himself decided in his ministry that he didn't want to be supported by the brothers. But he says several times in his letters that that support people who work for the church. He didn't have a problem with it. In fact, he said some of them, if you serve as an elder and you're serving the church, you get double honor. You should yep. be paid double. So he didn't have a problem with it, but it was always interesting he didn't want to do it himself. And so I, I thought about that for myself because I spent most of my life being supported by the brothers you know, and the sisters. And and I appreciate everything they did for my family because I was able to work and make a living while I worked for the church. But now I'm in a position in this season of my life where I don't have to be paid, and so I still do a lot of what I did before, but I just, you know, it's just my donation of time and effort. But I, I like it better. <laughs> and so I, I sort of now for the first time in my life I get the idea, I think, of why Paul decided he wouldn't do it. There's just there's something – it sort of ties you in in a way that's different if you sort of have the, I don't know, the freedom to not have to be paid. I, yeah, I don't know. Well, by the time you get to Acts 18, what struck me is as you cover the various uh, uh, things that came up during their travels, they said to establish the kingdom of God beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the end of the earth. If if this is a bunch of lies thrown together, because it's either true or false, yep. these events, it would be amazing. You would have to have the greatest troop of writers and producers to come up with this many lies and this many things, events that's happening. And some of them are kind of funny and some of them are very serious and mm-hmm. some of them are like outlandish. Some of them are with high spiritual overtones like you wouldn't believe, like got some guy falls out of a window. Yeah, that's coming up. And he's dead. So you, and here's a, a fallible uh, human being, the Apostle Paul, that raises him from the dead, gives him his life back, but he himself ends up by being beheaded yeah. And, and you, you just looking at all that, you say, you know, if you were going to make this stuff up, you would have to have an imagination <laughs> like no one ever. I mean, just think of the events they were writing about, and they're just writing them down like, yeah, and here's what happened, and they're not adding any to They're just going, going through, and you say, how in the world could they have dreamed all this up? Mm-hmm. And, and you go back over into the Gospels, 
in Jesus just showing up and how he got here and what he had to say, and you're getting to put it all together, you say, these people are not lying about this. Yeah. this it's, it's too many stories about the same thing, and uh, it, it's amazing, actually, to read it. Well, and What do y'all think about that? I, I agree. I mean, how could you have dreamed this stuff up? I've always thought one of the greatest um, things that helps prove what these things are true, like you said, is the flawed nature of the quote-unquote heroes of your stories. Yeah. I mean, these are very flawed people and recognize that on a regular basis, you know, in terms of each other. I mean, yeah, they're only- having a little mischief going together with them and to mm-hmm. getting along and, you know, well, I'm not going anymore with y'all if that's the way you're going to do it. I mean, <laughs> they're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this family against that For family. people to look and think that these people ever thought themselves as on their, based on their own works, yeah. is that they were a little bit better than anybody else. The opposite is is shown here. That's right. I mean, they they were they were you talking about servants. Well, yeah. I think what's crazy, they had all the Old Testament scriptures and they believed the prophecies that that the Messiah is coming. Yeah. And so their their whole life was was a very re- religious, re- very family oriented culture where we're waiting for the for the Son of God, which to me the to believe that, I would have had way more trouble believing that than, than after he came. Just because I'm, right. you know, how many prophecies or predictions, just as a human being, I'm just, I would have trouble believing that some somebody knew what was going to happen. Because it wasn't it available, I don't think, all this information that you read about, that the prophet said this and that. I mean, there was not a lot of people that had access or even could read, and especially depending on what language they spoke. I mean, I'm like you, Jason. I mean, boy, you'd have had to really pull a lot of things together to say, yeah, there's the one right there when a carpenter walks by. You, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so let's take another break. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson-Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. Well, that's why his first followers, they were like, where are you from? Well, he said Nazareth. You do a little history on Nazareth. We're talking that's a wrong neighborhood for something good to be coming out of. I mean, they were just like, Nothing well, we, comes thought, out of Nazareth. we thought you were, could be, but now that you're from Nazareth, oh no, you're, <laughs> I mean, it, it just, they could not believe it. And they were well, look at, looking at him. But of course, you know, that's why you had the role of miracles and these wonders, yeah. because then you have the prediction, you look at his character, which I think we underestimate, just think of all the people who watched him. He never made one mistake at I mean, any point. That's hard to do. That's hard it's to even make to up a, a being like that. So, I mean, they're looking at it like, because you always think if, you, if you're if you impressed with somebody or a preacher or whatever, and then it's a shock when you find out, oh, he has this past or he has this, you know, this incident or you see him make a mistake. I mean, leaders mess up all the time sure. yeah but here's jesus never made a mistake so in every situation he always did the right thing and then he has the ability to do these that that's i just think that some of them put that together and said you know what this, this is it <laughs> and that's why they were so bold even that's why you get these crazy stories and and a lack of fear because at the end of the the goal of being a, a Christian is you put your faith and trust in living again. So then you become really bold with that in mind because death's just part, part of the transition. Yep. It's not, you can't 
You can't be threatened by it. Well, just think about how difficult it would be, which it was, when the entire religious structure of everything you've ever known for you and your family was denying that he was who he said he was. Yeah. And as Jay said, but it was all based on... Or the religion you've been practicing for 1,500 years. For generations. Is fixing to be scuttled. That's right. Well, that would be a shock. Even though it had been predicted over and over and over, it's still... Uh, Y'all have seen human beings as they go to a little place and we're going to church and they go over... And you've seen what happens when something... Just a little tradition break. A little tradition. But can you imagine after someone worships and does, has a certain way of doing things, human beings for 1,500 years, and I mean, they had a... All the way up to the, the high priest, I mean, there was a structure, yeah. and and you saw what all came out of that. Can you imagine saying that's all over now? Yeah. Now it's if we're down to one rule, love God and love your neighbor. <laughs> They're like, do what? Too oh, simple. This, this same scenario plays itself out, and I do sympathize. You can't eat catfish for 1,500 years. And all of a sudden, somebody comes along and says, eat anything. Yep. They're like, are you talking saying, to I, me? I sympathize with them. I mean, once I went over there, I felt that because they, they're real family-oriented, and they're like, we, we like the rule system. We like the family get-togethers oh, yeah. every whatever it is, Friday night yeah, or the Sabbath. Shabbat. Or, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's – it's it's really cool in a way, but it's also like none of this promises forgiveness or life after the grave. That's right. Without Jesus being the Son of God. By the way, the, when you read Old Testament history, you realize you don't see hardly anything in there about life after the grave. The Very concept little. of heaven to the Jewish mind was not, they didn't, that, that wasn't a part of what they are. In fact, they were much more the other way. It was all about the legacy you leave on the earth. It was so important about having sons and, you know, keeping your family name. So they were much more tied yeah. to the planet. When Peter was in the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 and Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1 was talking about their physical deaths and saying, you know, they're going to put their tent aside. They're leaving this body and their soul is going on to be with God. So one of our listeners asked about that, and she quoted that First Thessalonians four. Yeah, she missed that one little part. Said, "We believe Jesus. Don't 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 grieve like the rest of man. We believe Jesus died and rose again. Right. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus at the end of time." those who have fallen asleep in him. She missed that little part because she was thinking the soul stays with the body in the grave. What she missed was you're going to depart and you're going to leave your body. That's the what we groan about. We don't like that part of it. Right. But said God made us for this very purpose. So we go on to be with God, your soul and spirit. There's more than just your body at stake here. Right. Soul and spirit, they're there with God. So you didn't lose Uncle Joe. He's still alive, but he doesn't have his body anymore. It's it's in the cemetery. He's waiting. Well, and even Jesus, when he shows back up, he's going to collect that for him, and he's going to be body, soul, and spirit again, this time an immortal body. Don't you think it's ironic? One of the the girls, one of the women asked about that. Well, there it is, honey, right there. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and 2 Peter chapter 1. Read what Peter had to say on Paul. And you'll get it. Yep. But the ironic part is a tent maker. That's what he did. He's talking about tents as the human body. Yep. That's right. I mean, don't you know that every day when he's making tents, he's thinking, <laughs> yep. Yep. That's right. This will last for a while. But, uh, you know, tents is. It won't make, last for forever. That's right. for sure. Making tents is means you've got homeless tendencies. <laughs> When you're, well, that's, that's your, or you're a carny worker. Well, well, well I mean, tents were a lot bigger deal back in those well, days. I mean, you know, they were used them a lot more than they do today. Now it's just Does, a big tent. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> a tent's a tent. When you're, when your shelter's a tent, you don't have a whole lot of options. Well, nope. That's true. You sure don't. I mean, in a hundred BC, I'm I could have figured out how to build a structure. My two favorite verses in the entire Bible is when the apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul both said they put that tent aside and they were looking at their physical death. And, and he, Paul made an interesting point. He said the beauty of it, although you have to be without your body for a while, 
he said, until Jesus comes back, the, he said, the beauty of it is that at least you know you're at home with the Lord. So it's better to be on the other side yeah. without your body. Your soul's alive because you know you made it. Right. That's basically but what that's he said. That's my point. If he's looking at your body as a tent, I think you're missing my point. This, you're, this ain't much. Not really. I mean, he, right. he was comparing it to a tent. <laughs> I mean, a big win. It ain't. You're dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's well, just. Well, look, you know, it's not much when all it takes is some microbe or something to come along. And, oh, you know, it, so it, does, what it happens, doesn't take much, you know. That's why there's. Get a little rip in this one, and you, you've you got some pretty serious issues. That's why these, exactly. these bodybuilders, they're like, they're struggling with living in a tent. So they're like, I'm gonna build a brick house. Oh yeah. The problem is, are they ever on the wrong track? I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. You're working out all the time, dude. So you, you, but you remember that tent? You hit about my age, seventy-five. I'm yeah, telling you, your tent, so, your, your tent's gonna go to leaking a little bit. And well, and if you up, build a brick house, a few house. rips and tires. Hang on, let's take another break. Well, it was the, the line Dad used that. So we've said it before on the podcast when the big. Bumba come up to you and they had been trying to get you to you know share with him because his parents asked me what I what I share Jesus with him. They said because he, he will not listen to anybody. So you finish you finish the he story. He was quite the bodybuilder. So I and, met him in the parking lot. And he, and dad's question was he said, Son, you've got quite a physique. And of course when you said that he puffed everything. He, he talked up <laughs> and his muscles just rippled in front of me. Did he do his little pectoral? Oh, uh, you uh, has, what a and I physique. recently grabbed it because I'm grabbing and when I did he flexed his arm. Oh yeah, so he could feel, so you just, feel the steel. Just a bull. And then he then dad said, I got one question for you, son. How are you gonna get it out of the ground? Crickets. <laughs> it was just like that. That look in his <laughs> eyes, he had never been asked that before. That look in his eyes, and I said I said, you ought to come down there. You ought to come on down and talk to me about and I'll it. I'll talk about that thing. And, and the next day, wasn't it, he showed up? The next up? day, he showed up. Yeah, he never said a word at any time during the proceedings before or a, afterwards. He's a quiet man. He's know. a quiet man. He is. But, Good dude. Yeah, but to to the point, if if it's just about this life, you know, Paul said we're to be pitied more than anybody. It's got to be something more. And it's really interesting because everything they've done up until this point, that was it. I mean, it was just about the legacy you leave. if. Widows are worried about not having sons to take care of them. It was all just about earth stuff. But still, it's just difficult to put your faith and trust in this when it's based on a prophecy. You're, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, as far as from my perspective, I mean, I got thousands of miles to go see where all this took place. I here I am in America. You're like, you see where people are like, oh, that was something that. That was some crazy story that happened thousands of years ago. And you think that's relevant? <laughs> and even in these church settings, you know, they start the church here in Corinth. But, I mean, it's basically a pagan world, and the Jews got upset in the synagogue. And so you can imagine the ones that came to the Lord had some baggage. Oh, and yeah. so he has reminded them of the gospel. Then he goes to Ephesus. Well, their big, big thing was bowing down at this goddess Artemis yeah Artemis which I don't remember all the details but I think that was the goddess of the hunt I mean if I would have been a Greek <laughs> an idol goddess worshiper, worshiper this woman who who which was crazy was a virgin but she was known as the goddess of fertility like hunting you know bow and arrow all hunting bow and arrow but no sex but that that's who they put their faith and trust in and, and lift it up to find some kind of uh you know sense of purpose yeah. i guess and that that was the and it was like the temple they built was one of the seven wonders of the mm -hmm. that that world i mean it was quite quite the show and there was a demon possessed girl who was going around but she recognized something the demon did about, different about Paul yeah. and Silas. And she's so, not bad-mouthing him. No, but she's like, she keeps screaming and yelling. And so finally, I, I don't know, maybe it's the only miracle in the Bible where it was just basically out of frustration. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like he, it seemed like it just wore on his nerves. He's just, it finally yeah. turns around, he's just like, in the name of Jesus, come out of that girl. Well, it does. Where's that, where's that at? Uh, that's, that's, where's it start at? 
Well, they go to Ephesus in 18, you know, and then they run upon Apollos, who we said how much confusion there was. You know, he had been, we, we had gone through this before, but he had been instructed the will of the Lord. He spoke about Jesus. He had all these things, but he was in the, in the time period of John the Baptist. And so Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They explained the way of God. Then Apollos, you get the impression from chapter 19, because he had only, he hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. He had just been baptized by John. So then they baptized. They probably him. ran upon some of the ones he had been teaching. Well, right. You know. And then this miracle happens that kind of confirms you can receive God's Spirit. And I think they started speaking in tongues. Uh, well, Paul placed his hands on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men and all. And so then Paul goes to the synagogue. I mean, now he's in Ephesus, which is one of my favorite books. Later on, he would write the letter. But then when you go to fast forward to Revelation, Ephesus was one of the one of the churches yep. that John wrote the letter to. In their case, kind of like, like Corinth, he was like, You you left your first love, which reminded you of, of Corinth. And I was just and and they it said some of you have done these practices of the I think it was called Nicolotians or something like that. And I remember when we were taught that in school, he was basically the opposite of the Temple of Artemis. This was like the pursuit of, uh, you know, evidently this guy had a wife that was so beautiful and, and she, he, he couldn't, you know, keep her at the house. So then he advocated like, what what would be the correct word? Uh, multiple sex partners and all this. So then they had that going on. They were like, it wasn't just like they were out cutting up. They they were making it a religious thing, right? Which still happens today, by the way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why well, have one wife? Have a hundred, and and we'll just make it part of our religious way and. So I just think when you go back and look at the culture and see the backdrop of these settings and you then read the book of Ephesians, then it's like, oh, wow. Because yeah. it's really about everything you have in God and how powerful he is and how he chose you and how he planned. And then there's all these practical ways to live, not only in your life, but in every relationship is brought up in Ephesians. And ultimately, he's like, you need to put on the armor of God. So there was a lot of character issues going on because of these belief systems that they were battling. Right, we've, uh, <clears throat> let's take one last break. And one of the things, Jesus, in there in verse 13, which is just a funny look to me, funny, funny little story, but it also shows you what they're up against. So verse 13 says some Jews. Is yeah, this chapter in, 18 or 19? Uh, 19. Uh, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. So these guys are Jews. They're they're going around this city here in Ephesus, mm -hmm. and they're they're casting out demons. But they decide they're going to use Jesus' name. They would say, "In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, because see, well, he wasn't their Lord. I command you to come out." And so verse 14 says, seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, uh-oh, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? <laughs> now, if you can answer by, de by demon, I have a feeling whatever's supposed to happen next is not going to be good. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all, one on seven. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. <laughs> I mean, it's one of my favorite stories in Acts because it's so random. But at the same time, what a world. That's what you're describing. What a wild, wild west, you yeah. know. Then they had these public burnings of all the scrolls that were practicing sorcery and all. I mean, mm -hmm. I just kind of get a visual image of you have this crazy thing and then you have a big bonfire 
in a in a in a good thing, you know, destroy it. Well, where was the other story that you were talking about? I think it's. I think that we've already passed it. I I, I thought it was. Yeah, that's where I couldn't figure out. Yeah, I, I we already did that a while back, but it was the same kind of thing. But it was. Yeah, was she was. My... She was just. It was an annoying. Right. Yeah. But it was the same thing about what made me think about it. I thought it was this context, but I think it was back at Iconium. But it the idea is is that these cities that Paul's going to were set up basically on religious notion, you know, quote unquote, the way it, it was always a God and sacrifice and this, that, and that. But it was all done with such a crazy, you know, the way that they, their worship, for lack of a better word, was something that we can't even hardly recognize. This is a decadent. It, when I was younger in the faith, this story, that what happened there, I kind of laughed when I read it. It didn't have a whole lot of meaning, demons in people, and yeah. then then people taking a beating for all this. And you say, well, when I was younger in the faith, and as I went around, I was not really aware of how much of this goes on. I'm just to tell the listeners here. I'm not going to elaborate, but I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> now, since I've been at this going on fifty years, on things I've seen with my eyes and heard from my ears. I am absolutely convinced about demons being in human beings and and all that goes with it. Yep. So I, I learned one after the other, year after year, I'm looking around and I'm listening to what, what's going on in and around the proclamation of Jesus, him crucified and raised from the dead. Now I look at that, I'm like, no doubt about it, yep. none. Yeah, and a lot of people have asked us about this, and I've told them, look, the the spiritual realm of Satan and demons and evil spirits, all that's st- it, it hadn't gone anywhere it's no. until until it's all over. But it does seem to be a little more active, maybe in this yeah. era, because for the ones who say, "Well, I've never seen anything like that," I have just one little phrase here. I have, yeah. So, yeah, along just, with a lot of other people I trust yep. have dealt with that. Well, I think what you know what happened after all this is is a riot came up because they're sharing. Jesus. Have you noticed how almost every city yeah. ending here ends with a riot? Yep. Because <laughs> I think it, it comes back to you have to have a belief system to justify how you live. Yep. Whether you acknowledge it or not, people in Hollywood that you think are a million miles from from God, they have a system in their mind. Usually a work system, you know, if I take care of the planet and I help people, then no matter what happens, I'll be okay. And so that's what people do Could to justify Could you say there's their... any rioting going on in the United States of America well, over know, various issues, including this one, Jesus But you know what I thought about, Dad? You're right. And, and in this case, we have the same actors every time. We've got yep. these Jewish people that'll come in, the instigators, and get it going. They have a narrative. They got a narrative. And then you got the people who are in the city and they don't know what to think. You know, they're hearing one thing and the other. So they're trying to figure it all out and it and chaos ensues. And that's exactly what happens today. There's one or two or three groups out there. there you they got come it. together and then something <laughs> bad starts happening. It's just like what you're seeing here. It's pretty amazing. Well, I think it's interesting, like in verse twenty three when it says the the disturbance comes up about and they were known again as the way which is cool i love that and this silversmith which i'm all about silver especially finding it you know in the ground demetrius he made silver shrines of artemis and it it, you know he made a lot of money it says so he's looking at it like well wait a minute if people put their faith and trust in jesus and if they have this power that's gonna hurt my business that's a lot less artemis sales well, right. And, and so I wonder if that's happened much in these. So United he was States. motivated because because this he's looking at this is his job. Yeah. And look, and before you say, well, this guy, you know, people, when they they start talking about, hey, i got to provide for my family here. And these bunch of, you know, tent makers are hollering and probably some trick where they healed the person. He's not believing that this guy just drove out a bunch of demons and they all had a big bonfire, you know, burning all the magic and sorcery. I mean, to, 
it just seemed to him like, no, I'm going to provide for my family. So then he says, man, we know we receive a good income. And then he said, you see and hear this fellow Paul, and he's led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus. So not only is he just like losing his way to provide, he's like, this guy's leading people astray. There's your false teacher. They're going down the wrong road. <laughs> yeah. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's so, the problem? There is danger, not only that our trade will lose its name, but that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself. Sounds like the high-tech companies, Al. Yep. Well, what I'm saying, it's easy when you read Same that. Player. You think, well, so what? But like that Artemis would have been a peel, because I'm a hunter. And uh, I mean, just to me, this is the Hunger Games uh, woman, you know, with the bow. Yeah. And the, everybody liked Hunger Games. I mean, and so these people, they're hunters and they're fishermen, and they put their faith and trust in, in the Hunger Game woman. And they're making a lot of money. Yeah, Everybody's feeling good. And so that's kind of what happens in our society. It's it's a threat to our to their way of life. Yeah, he's saying the, here, the, but also the temple of the great goddess of Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world will mm-hmm. be robbed of her divine majesty. They've come up with another god here, of course, not realizing. So, but but he acknowledges that it's man-made. Yeah. They made it up. Yeah, none of it's real, but it's a way to make money. It, it's and it's you know a way to celebrate, uh, you know, hunting and the outdoors and yeah. shooting bows and arrows. But the first one premise is right. It's a way to make money. Yeah, it was money involved. And and you notice every one of these little city tours of Paul ends up usually before some Roman proconsul yep. who's just trying to keep the peace. And then the last verse here is, come the politicians. And then the last verse is seventeen. This happens almost every time. Then they all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. Somebody's always getting beat up at the end of yep. this run. Have you noticed that? Well, what's uh, weird to me it, also... It sounds like what I've been looking at. <laughs> it does. It's also weird Always to me. somebody getting beat up. You think about society. Now, here's this woman, this made-up woman, who is the god of fertility, but she was a virgin, which is, you know, you read... That's true. I mean, they base that as fact, and I thought, that's kind of what the world does, because anybody who's, you know, been around a woman who hasn't had the, you know, the ability to give birth. It's a sad, sad time for them. And um, so you said, what are we going to do about it? Well, come up with a a goddess who can alleviate that problem. You know, you go bow down and worship and they'll, she'll make you fertile, which the God is made up. (laughs) But I guarantee you women who desire oh, yeah. for that would do that because I the women that Missy and I have talked to, you know, through the years, they'll do anything. I mean, they'll yeah. they'll seek out any option because it's a I think it's a God given well, desire in, in their culture even more because sons are what took care of you when you got old and became a widow. But I just I mean, you, well, you if would I was, die otherwise, yeah, but if I was in the crowd, I'd want to raise my hand and say, "But she's a virgin." <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't even make sense that. You know, she's fertile, but just in word only. I mean, I, I don't know. I just found that fascinating that it's like the application of it is if you got a problem, you go here, even though it doesn't really practically make any sense whatsoever. All right. We're That's out of time. where we are in modern day. too. I think there's a lot of cor- correlation. I think you're right, then. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.